This is Sexuality and Faith by Noble Boy. The debate on can one be a gay Christian has been ongoing for a very long time. You see, this is this debate about other forms of sexual orientation, gender identity, and faith is not limited to Christianity and Islam. It basically boils down to the, to the fabric of morality of which these religions claim to uphold. They claim to lay principles for which we are meant to uh, live our lives by. So what is faith? Faith is one strong belief in the doctrine of a religion based on spiritual conviction. Uh, the, the part of in the clause of based on spiritual conviction simply connotes that there is no need for physical or logical reasoning. It's just based on one spiritual conviction. So what's sexuality? Human sexuality is the way people experience and express themselves sexually. However, not just limited to sexual expression only, it also uh, includes uh, emotional expression, social expression, physical and even spiritual feelings. And these things are reflected in our, in our, yeah, in our behavior, yes, our sexuality is reflected in our behavior sometimes is it because of sexuality is a very very broad term you know uh, encompassing uh the emotional social and spiritual sphere it doesn't have a generally accepted definition it's a very very broad term it's a common statement that those who speak or those who advocate those preachers who are anti-gay preachers who go about preaching against gay alternative lifestyles a common statement they say is uh, God created them man and woman. Based on creation, biblical story, indeed God created them man and woman. That's why uh, we have certain ways of identifying male and female. When we have a male, it's identified by XY chromosomes and woman and female rather identified as XX. But then, if this is what creationalists or Christian or all other preachers want to base their argument on, so what do we have to say about intersex? For those who don't know what intersex is about, the term intersex describes a person who doesn't fit into the definition of male or female. You see, their peculiarities are often reflected in gonads, you know, chromosomes or genitalia. The term once used to describe these people was hermaphrodite. However, this term is old, this term is insensitive, this term is abusive. We don't use the term to describe human beings anymore. We can't call humans hermaphrodites. Okay, because they used to call them hermaphrodites due to the ambiguity, you know, in their genitalia, because most of them some of them possess both male and female organs. So it becomes ambiguous to determine if the child is male or female from birth so it's advisable to wait you see intersex differs from transgender identity and should not be uh, interchanged used interchangeably no is it uh, transgender has to do with gender identity while intersex is about biological makeup 
So God, so now that you've seen that it's quite different, do you still believe that indeed God created us to be male and female since we have those who exist within us, amongst us rather, who are, who can't be classified as either male or female? Let's go on. Uh, you may never have seen anyone who is intersex who falls under this classification that is gender non-binary and that doesn't fit into the male or female classification. Yes, but that doesn't mean that they don't exist. You likely haven't met one or you likely haven't, yeah, you likely haven't met one because they keep it to themselves. It's not things that people go about and say, oh yes, I'm this and that because even from, from 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 younger age, from when they were small, even in Western cultures, Western countries, they've been told to hide this part of them due, due to the fear of people's reaction. Okay? You see, back then, it was a very, very common practice. Back then, it was a very, very common practice to surgically operate children at birth. Once a child is given birth to and possesses both male and female organ, it was uh, it was a common practice to remove one of it. Okay, uh, if a, a baby is born having both male and female organ, uh, the parents will choose for the child. Yes, okay. I want my child to be a boy, so they will likely seal up the female organ, hoping the child will grow up living as a boy, or they will. Uh, cut off the male organ, open that the child will grow up to conform to his physical appearance. But we now know that this is not a good practice, okay? Uh, it's, not, it's not a good practice and shouldn't be encouraged. I read of a story of a boy who at the age of 13 started having stomach pains and the way he described the pains were so similar to cramps that ladies that some ladies experience during their monthly period. He said the, the boy didn't know what he was experiencing. He didn't know he was actually experiencing menstrual pain, not until he did an MRI scan when he was 24 years old. He wasn't excreting blood because his parents had chose to surgically seal off his vagina when he was a his female organ when he was a baby so it wasn't our and his parents never told him of what he underwent when he was a baby they made the decision because you know they were the adults without considering the child's future or you can say they actually considered the child's future like how would our child grow up in the society that is made of male and female and we have a child who has both male and female organs how would this child fit into that society so it's best we make the decision for the boy let us seal up the female organ uh, so the boy must have lived several years of his life as a boy when indeed he wasn't a boy or the child had to choose it's based on the child's uh, own opinion psychological makeup not what some people have to choose for you okay so they chose to surgically remove the boy's uh, female organ at birth 
I said there are other several stories of many other people who just knew that something didn't fit right about themselves and didn't get answers until later in life. They just didn't know. They didn't know what was going on. So they must have lived several years of their life unhappy, both emotionally, in every area, in different spheres of their life because they were just not living their true self. Something was just not right about themselves and they, were so, and they must have lived unhappy lives because of the choices their parents, doctors, and society enforced on them at best. You see, our religions, our religions preach about God being perfect in all his ways. So we have to ask this question. If indeed God is perfect in his ways and God allows, God allows it. We are, he has allowed these people to be in existence. They were born this way, even if you want to argue that uh, sexual orientation is a different thing. Now, this is a case that we both see. It's scientifically proven. We have given birth to a newborn child and we are seeing that this child has both male and female organs. Sometimes it goes as far as not just physical makeup. It's even sometimes uh, a chemical thing because Speaking of chromosomes now, because some of that sometimes these people produce like a child who has a physical uh, makeup of a boy may be producing female hormones. Have we seen that there is a? It's now basically scientific, and it's what it's very very logical. It's explainable, and what I'm going to say about this configuration, and I will say God is perfect. I am not trying to invalidate uh, the statement that God is perfect. I'm just trying to say if indeed God is perfect and God created these people, are we not to say that these people are perfect? And what solution does the church or what can the church say about this? And several things that the church, you no know, religious bodies have been saying about intersex is that when a child is given birth to like that, the parents have to make the choice at birth. Because according to them, the world, a, a man, and the humans are man, and I mean, yes, I grouped into either man and woman, male or female. So we are to choose. Do you see the irony to this? Do you clearly see the irony to this? The irony of choice. The, cho- the church is advocating choice. Religious body are adv- advocating choice. And what do they have to say when we speak about sexual orientation it becomes a thing of we don't have the right to choose you are going to conform to the physical makeup you're going to conform to what god has created you as when you bring up this the, the subject of uh, uh sexual orientation and gen- and transgender identity and you say a man comes and say although i am a man physically but i don't feel like a man on the inside what does the church have to say to that? The church says, no, 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 no. God has created you in his own image. God doesn't make a mistake. God is perfect. You can't choose for yourself. God has chosen for you. But now, when it comes to the case of a person being intersex, the church begins to advocate, choose. You cannot live on the fence. You cannot be on this side, on that side. You must choose because the world is male and female. Male and female, he created them. That's what the church I'm using the church basically because I am more aware of the arguments of the church. When the identity of sexual identity of transgender identity is brought up, the church begins to advocate 
no, you can't choose. You cannot choose for God. God is perfect. Blah 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 blah. You see, the very the very existence of intersex people puts a big hole, the size of the Grand Canyon, in the argument that God created us man and woman because we see them with our own eyes. They are around us. We know them. If you haven't seen any, Google intersex people or watch videos on YouTube. These people exist. People who lived who most uh, who sometimes have lived their lives. As someone else because their parents made choices for them when they were when they were very little when they couldn't make choice for themselves uh, then as they grew they began they began to experience changes in their bodies like a boy like a, a boy a child who was born into sex having both uh, sex organs and let's say his parents uh, sealed up the female organ but as the child begins to grow it's in the stage of puberty and the child begins to experience development in the chest region which is something that female are meant to experience. How do we explain this? Some preachers, okay, one argument that, that preachers have put forth is that the world is sinful and this is the result of our sins. Yes, result or not result of sins, this is what is happening. So what, is, what does the church have to say to that? This is what God has allowed, because God is allowing this to happen. We have people who are like this. And so the world is not male and female. The world is not black and white. So let us close that, that argument once and for all. And now, the church's side of choosing should be stopped. Those who advocate choosing at birth should stop advocating that, because we now know how devastating this can be to the children's life later in life. And something else that those who advocate or those who preach anti-gay sermons up and down, another point to raise is the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. We can find the story in the book of Genesis chapter 18 verse 20. Uh, let us say chapter 18. Abraham was, was asleep in his tent. Then he opened his eyes and he saw strangers. And he was able to understand that these men... We know ordinary men, so he approached them, brought them to his house, and treated them well. And they revealed a secret to, the, to Abraham that they were about to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham had to plead on, their, on the behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah because of his nephew in Sodom and Gomorrah. So, but let's see what the Bible actually says in verse 20. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous. That is why God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. God didn't expressly say, he didn't expressly say, I'm going there to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of man and man having sex, because of homosexuality, because of lesbianism. Mm-mm. The Bible says because their sin is grievous. It's about sin in general. I mean, the world is sinful. People are sinning, you know, bribery, you know, corrupt practices you know you know just everything everything is going on every single thing is going on he didn't basically say this is why i'm going to destroy them in Sodom and Gomorrah. where else did the bible speak about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah? now many years forward to the future we have it in ezekiel 16:49. in the book of ezekiel 16:49, uh we have seen the prophet ezekiel tell people why God indeed destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. See, the Bible says in Ezekiel 16, 49, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Listen to the sins we have. Pride, fullness of bread, 
abundance of idleness was in her hand and that of her daughters. Neither did they strengthen the hands of the poor or the needy. So, Ezekiel was listing sins that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for and didn't mention homosexuality. So why then do we often say Sodom and Gomorrah, these towns or cities were destroyed because of homosexuality when the Bible didn't say they were destroyed because of homosexuality? What brought up homosexuality then? Because of the story of uh, the men, the unruly men who wanted to have carnal uh, knowledge of the strangers? Yes, that is where it came from. But God didn't say so. Neither did the angels say so. Neither did Ezekiel say so. It's just our own translation. We've just assumed that this was what they did. However, there are several verses of the Bible that are expressly clear about what the Bible stands on homosexuality is like in the book of Leviticus 18:22, it says man shall not lie with man in the book of Leviticus 18:20, you know these verses and several verses in Romans that they does all speak against homosexuality but also in the book of Leviticus 19:19, 19, uh, the Bible says we should not mix fabrics that it is an abomination it's a taboo before God but we all do this I wear a sick tie and I wear a cotton shirt and mixing fabrics and we all do this our pastors on the altar when they're condemning homosexuality are actually in silk ties and cotton shirts cotton pants leather shoes and we all say don't mix fabrics you see irony in the book of Deuteronomy uh, 21 18 the Bible says if a child is disobedient the child should be brought to the town square and stoned to death if we all you know, if we, if we take this verse literally as the Bible has written it, how many of us will be alive today? How many of us haven't been stubborn? How many of us has, have not been stubborn even despite our parents' uh, attempts to correct us? You see, these are things that the Bible has clearly stated. But we don't take this part of the Bible uh, literally. So why do we also, why do we now also take other parts of the Bible literally? Now let's even say, talk about the Bible. What's the Bible? The Bible is a historical book, however spiritual, still remains a historical book written by men and, comp- and com- compiled by men. Based on canon laws, we have severally added uh, arguments of the Bible being incomplete. I don't know whether it's complete or, in- or incomplete. All I know is that I have, I okay, I have a Bible. I have a Bible. I have a Bible that has more. That has more books and more verses than the regular King James Bible that we have. And this is the same Bible written by the same people, the same spiritually inspired people. But why is it that my Bible have more verses and more books than you do, than yours has? It's simply because some people wrote the canon laws and the books that your Bible has, the regular King James Bible, Genesis 6 to Exodus, based on, on specific numbers of chapters and specific numbers of verses, is because those verses and those chapters and verses met the requirements that this human, like you and I, this man, people like you and I, wrote. You see, these people wrote these verses. They wrote this, I mean, they wrote the laws, and they said if certain books don't meet these laws, they will not be put into the Bible. So, you have the Bible that was compiled by human law, human decision. 
So some people just wrote, some people just wrote accounts of things they experienced working with Christ, of you know how to just live a good life, of history. Yes, the movement of Israelites from from Egypt and stuff and that. You see these things. Then some people now sat down together and wrote if it should be, if it should be, if it should fit or not fit in. So what do you have to say about that then? I think in general, religious books have long been translated to suit people's own agenda. And sometimes these translations or interpretations have often stepped on people's rights. Uh, long ago, very long ago, the Bible was used to to support. That was used to support uh, slavery. Yes, and many slave owners identified as Christians, and they defended the right to own slaves as a divine right that the Bible. Uh, stated stories of slavery and that uh, it was ordered by God because of like a particular verse and a particular story in the Bible that is used to uh, support slavery was the story of uh, of Noah. No, the story of Noah cursing his grandchild that his grandchild becomes slave of slaves. That due to that, the particular person that was cursed happened to be the four 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 foreigner of black people according to them it was their translation they translated and to be a black man is uh, descendants to be the black race and therefore they had received biblical ordinance spiritual divine rights to own slaves to own black people as slaves this was a biblical translation a biblical interpretation by slave owners so the bible has also been translated in several ways the word homosexuality didn't didn't wasn't wasn't the word back then so how come it is in the bible now several public biblical translations have the word you know explicitly written homosexuality even though it wasn't the word in the christian in the bible time and uh yeah something that bothers me sometimes is why is it that despite how old the practice you know the existence of homosexuality has been no why come how come jesus didn't make a single uh statement about homosexuals yeah jesus spoke about several things you know several things when he was on earth he spoke about a lot of things but if it was so you know so much of a of an abomination why how come Jesus didn't say anything about it? He must have seen them around him, but he didn't say a single thing about it. People who, okay, places where you can find it about homosexuality, like Paul. Paul spoke expressly about it in the book of Romans. Uh, he spoke about it, he condemned it, but Paul is not Christ. Yeah, Paul isn't Christ. Paul isn't Christ. Uh, I think we should pattern ourselves after Jesus Christ and not after someone else Paul is in Christ so if religion in generally religious leaders have been the one deciding things for us and you know damning us you know making us lose faith in the existence of a sentient uh, superior supernatural being 
I think then we have to recheck ourselves. Yes, you should recheck yourself, you know. Go deep, study yourself and see that you shouldn't basically rely on people to determine your relationship with God, with the supernatural being. You see, religion is basically the opium of people. It's your own desire to have a a relationship rather with a spiritual being. You can have this relationship with a spiritual being without someone else determining what is and what is not. God is love. God loves you. God knows you are valid. It's time you see God's love and accept God's validation and not people's validation or what people have to say concerning you because we've seen that what people have to say concerning you is not true. So thank you for staying tuned to this episode of Rainbow Nigeria Podcasts. Thank you.